Ladies and gentlemen, if you'll please sit down for the Honorable Jeremy Tillman. Ladies and gentlemen, please rise. <laughs> for, uh, I think we have a... What's the thing? I object. Yeah, there, yeah, sustained. Yeah, you know, when I was a kid, I actually thought about being a lawyer, but uh, mostly because I had watched movies, and I just loved the idea of like arguing about things. And then I went and learned about like a a lot of the times lawyers don't necessarily get to do the things that they really believe in doing, and b like tons and tons and tons of research. And as much as I like researching for my lists, JT, that's yeah. about when my research ends. Yeah, I took a couple practice LSATs, uh, mostly just because a very good friend of mine was studying uh, to go to law school, and she was great, and it, I, I found it fun to study with her. And I did pretty well. Like, I actually scored really high, and then got in my head for like a couple of weeks where I was like, oh, I'm totally going to be a lawyer. Like, I'll be a great lawyer and they make a lot of money and they're powerful and they have influence. And then like I, I mentioned it in passing to my dad who was like, oh, ye, who struggled with high school. OK, yeah, sure. You'll be <laughs> and I was like, oh, right. They're in school forever. He's like forever. And you also like do grunt work for the first seven years of your life. Two of the closest people like in my life who are lawyers, um, one of them still is. And then basically like my brother basically stopped. He was like, I hate this. <laughs> Like the second that he had a chance to not be a lawyer anymore, he stopped. And he was a very, very good attorney. But so, yeah, anyway, here we are talking about being lawyers. Neither of us are. And I think we're both awfully grateful for that. Yeah, I, I forgot about that. Like whatever it is, eight more years of school. No, Ooh, it's no, just, no. Just brutal. Just brutal. But uh, so we are doing the best lawyer episode. It's interesting. Me as the millennial, I don't know if that's going to play as big a role this week as it has in some previous weeks. But maybe it will. I think what's going to happen instead, if I can make a prognostication, is that ooh, ooh, probably used it wrong. Lawyerly word. <laughs> um, if I may, I think your depth of just being a better movie watcher and like keeping track of things you've seen and having like a much better memory for this is going to play a much larger role than time. <laughs> to be completely mm. honest. You know, thank you for saying that, JT. I do think I watch movies better than you watch movies. Mm. I, I appreciate that. Everyone who I, listens to this podcast is in violent agreement with me right now. <laughs> oh, no, I'm, I'm, being, I'm totally making fun of the phrasing. I just think, like, we all watch, you know, I guess better movie watching would simply be able to watch an entire movie without multitasking. I just, well, what I mean, like, specifically is I just think your retention for it and your attention to detail is so much higher than mine that, like, you can see, there's been a couple times on this podcast where you've been like, oh, I've seen that once, and then you pull out really specific moments of it that, like, your brain captured. There's movies I've seen multiple times where if you're like, can you give me a line of dialogue? I'd be like, yeah, it's a hard no for me. <laughs> yeah, I, I wish I could reuse the part of my brain that stores movie quotes most weird details about movies, including ones I haven't even seen, and song lyrics, and just sort of repurpose that to things like remembering how to do computer programming and like really useful stuff that would advance life. But instead, it are. does in fact give me a little uh, leg up on this this podcast, which does in fact make us, if memory serves, I think about negative eighty dollars a year. So, oh yeah, it's probably right in that wheelhouse, plus or minus an extra two. <laughs> yeah, yeah. But if, you know, if you counted the beers every now and then a friend buys, it's like, hey, I like your podcast. Like, it, you know, it evens out financially. Yeah, it's a worthwhile investment, I think. it's a. It, there's some sunk costs that I think we're just willing to take 
<laughs> now, JT, when we picked this category last week, I'm just going to sort of fess up to some of the behind the scenes. You were instantly after the episode, you were like, so so we've got the Shawshank already, right? And I was like, er? you know, I, I had no idea what you were talking about. And then I started writing my list and I had actually my top five. Let me look at this one more time. Yeah, it's the oh, no, one thing has changed from my top five, went into Pong and vice versa. But the whole time I was doing it, I'm like, what is he talking about? Which movie is this? Which is the one? I swear to you, dude, it wasn't until Tuesday, I think, when I was revisiting my list and like, what haven't I thought of? And it was just sort of nagging me. I think I know what you were talking about at this point. I'm not 100% because there is another one I thought you might have meant because of me in a way. Okay. But I think I know what you meant. Okay. Well, listen, I think that's perfect. Let's get right into it. So if you haven't figured it out, this is the best lawyer in movie episode. Uh, and our Shawshank, which is from our very first episode, the most rewatchable movie of all time is Shawshank Redemption. So the Shawshank is, is there a single category defining movie for best lawyer in an episode? And this week, I do have one, as Jeremy has already mentioned. And I do as well. And this week, by the way, since I know you need the memory jog on this one, you are first, sir. Oh, good for me. I do 100% always need that memory jog. All right. So I'm going to give you 1963. Uh, I will tell you that this is an 88%. It's very high. Uh, and this is that we'll see if you catch the shtick. If you don't, I will explain it. Of Athenia, Passiformes Aves. Or Aves. Uh, wow. I'm assuming that was Latin. Uh, it's yeah, yes. Well, or what was it? Pig Latin? I, I might need to hear it again. Let me, I, I, you know, I just want to hear it again. So, of Athenia, comma, Passiformes Aves or Aves. Aves. Uh, of Athenia, I think that might imply like. Athena, the Greek goddess, which would imply war. No. no I'm off. I'm yeah. off. Mm. So my only thing to say back is I have one from 1962, and I'm wondering if one of us got our years wrong. Uh, yeah, listen, it's very possible. Uh, I can check right now. Oh, yeah, it's definitely 1962. Okay. So all right, I do not. I, of Athena, something Avia. Yeah, so I'll tell you what I'll tell you what I'm doing this week. So I'm trying to give you, I'm trying to get you to the name of the lawyer. So, ah, in this instance, it is Atticus Finch from To Kill a Mockingbird. Atticus is 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 a town of Attica in Athens, Greece, and then Passiformis Avis is a Finch. That's their clinical, like whatever, not clinical, but whatever you call them, the technical name. Is their class of, it's right. actually their classification and their species. So, And then since you remember, not only am I fluent in Latin, I'm also very well versed in Greek geography and like the insect uh, uh, animal order of, of species and whatnot. Yes. Uh, so, yeah, that's my bad. I'm sorry for not instantly. I mean, you know, it's just I'm very embarrassed over here. I, I can't imagine you're not. My five words were just defended civil liberties when needed. Yeah. What do you know? <laughs> so yeah, Atticus Finch to kill a bombing bird. I, I, I realized it. Yeah. I think it was like Tuesday, maybe even, maybe even Wednesday. I was like, Oh, how did I forget this this long? 
that's what he's talking about. I'm pretty yeah. sure. So yeah. Yeah. All right. So we agree. We agree. Let's move into our top five. All right. So mine, um, mine are kind of all over the place. I'm not going to lie to you, but it's okay. Uh, March 21st, 1997. Ooh. Okay. I'll give you Jennifer Tilly and Carrie Elwes. Elwes? I never know how to say his name. Carrie Elwes. And I'll give you Susie Kurtz. This one's from my Pong list, by the way. Okay, so you know what this is. I will give you, just to see if you can remember his name from it, uh, your favorite comedy and a saxophone part. Uh, I had this character name written down, so... Oh, okay. But that... that Would that have gotten it to me? It's really good. It's really good. I'm tempted now to erase all the names from my list here just so I <laughs> am forced to guess better. So mine were had to do job truthfully. Yeah. So this is Liar Liar with Jim Carrey. Uh, so when we when you mentioned this last week, this was the very first movie I thought of. And it was fun for me for a couple reasons. One, I was 12 and I love Jim Carrey like everyone my age did and should have. Uh, two, there are a couple moments in this movie that are highly teenage quotable for JT and his group of friends. Um, screaming Royal Blue was a thing for 12 and 13 year olds at the time for sure. But in thinking about it, I actually think it's very funny because the idea of him being a good lawyer was I struggled with to be to be clear. Yeah, it wasn't clear how good a lawyer he was. Can I I, I need to really dive in, though, because since we like exploring our generations, can you give me more of that quote? And like, how was that quote used? Like, what was because for me, it was like I, it's not a thing. Like I, re I recognize it when I hear it, but I never have done that. I don't know how much I've, if, if I've quoted this movie at all, to be honest, I like it. And that's why it's in my top, my pie pong. Tell me a bit more. Like, so that, that scene is when he has realized the curse has taken effect and he has a, a pen that he is red and he's trying to say this pen is red and he can't. And his key, like he keeps choking on it. And it is like, just full time overacting Jim Carrey. Like it is the, okay. in, in his most, most ridiculous where he's like running sure. around the room, physical smashing things. And he finally gets it out and he has red and he's like, looks excited. And he's like, this pen is royal blue and freaks out. And it's a whole thing. And it, it makes me happy. And how would it get used by you millennial types? Just any time that you were going to say something that was like really over the top. Like ah, if something, okay. like, if some, if like you had to tell the truth of something, it would just like, you would just scream like it's royal blue. Like it's nice. It's, yeah. Uh, and do you have a buddy that if you called right now and just threw a royal blue at would be like cracking up? I have at least two two friends that I can think of that would pick that reference up instantly. Nice. Yeah. Yeah. Now I'm on the list now. There hey. you go. So the thing with this movie is that Fletcher Reed inherently, and it's a really cute movie. It actually holds up as a Jim Carrey comedy from the 90s. Like it's a lot of fun to watch. It's totally kid friendly um, with like a couple weird parts, but not like really weird, <laughs> like Jim Carrey weird. Uh, what I think was fun for me in trying to decide if he was a good lawyer is that is defining what a good lawyer is. And without giving the plot away <laughs> of a very old film, um, he has to wrestle with some internal conflict as to whether he's supposed to do the right thing by his client or the right thing by his compass. And mm. I actually think as a lawyer, that's a really interesting problem to solve. And I think he he picks how I would want people to pick. And so for that reason, I, I actually think he's on this list. I like that. 
how old were you when this came out? I was 12. You were 12. So doing a very fast bit of math, I'm pretty sure. So this movie is now 25 years old. Yep. So the equivalent for a 12 year old today would be as if I, it would be basically to kill a mockingbird for me. That is the equivalent age of liar, liar. Wow. That's weird. Yeah. That is very weird. Mm. Oh, wow. That is weird. It's hard. It, I find it very hard to think of 90s movies in particular as more than 20 years old. I can find the 80s. I get that like the 80s are gone <laughs> a little bit. Yeah. We keep them alive in our dreams. But the night when, when we talk about 90s movies being that old, it, it's tough. I agree with you, by the way. I thought this is a fun movie. I have one awesome piece of trivia I learned about it, which is that there is a cameo of Jim Carrey as Fire Marshal Bill in the movie. Oh, that's brilliant. I did not see that. That's so brilliant. Yeah. Uh, everything you said about it, I agree with. I think this is sort of in that initial Jim Carrey tree, uh, trilogy, whatever, of The Mask, Ace Ventura, and this as really developing him as a comedic actor. This is probably his best job as a comedic actor. It's the first signs of him showing a bit more range, being a dad, you know, all those kind of things. Recognizing that Jennifer Tilly's a terrible person. Yeah. It's a good movie. It's fun. Uh, and and so just as a just for our our listeners, like we are kind of gonna walk away from metacriticing unless it's like actually useful, unless it's a, a piece of like interesting conversation. And this one was a 70, which I actually was like, I thought that was high for a Jim Carrey movie. I kind of like when I looked this up, I'm like, this is gonna be like a 58 or something like that. 70. And I was like, oh, okay, good. Like people kind of felt the same way I felt about this. Yeah. I think that feels about right too. It's a perfect comedies. Always, comedies always have a hard job with the critics. Always. So yeah, like a, a comedy, you're never going to get a, actually, I wonder what the highest rated Metacritic comedy, like straight up comedy, not like, um, twisty, dark, like Fargo is not tech. It, it's funny, but it's not a comedy. You know, yeah, I mean? Coen Brothers are off the table for any of that. Hey, Liz, uh, listen, uh, we're not going to look it up so we can keep moving, but you should tweet it at us. Somebody else do it. <laughs> All right, we'll look on the twitters coming down the road. All right, my first one. I'll go with actually the first thing I wrote down, just because why not? Nineteen ninety three. I have Ed Harris and Gary Busey for you. Oh, okay. And just so we're clear, Gary Busey's in is is not a Billy Zane level, but if Gary Busey's in a movie, he's going to be my clue for you. Okay, that's that's fair. I think that's totally like if good. only his foot is on screen. Okay, <laughs> so in this case, so the first one was defended civil liberties when served. Uh, the last one was had to do job truthfully. This one is defended mobsters and Quaker Oats. 1993. Yes. See, now I'm super in my head that maybe I have a bunch of these years wrong because what you're saying has me thinking. I think something. you, no, I think you have the year right. I think you don't get the Quaker Oats bit because that's a bit more of an 80s gag. Oh, so, got it. Defended mobsters. Uh, how about defended mobsters unknowingly got revenge? Unknowingly got revenge. This is fun. I'm struggling. Like I'm literally just trying to think through Gary Busey movies. And he's like a, like he's a real person in this. It's not like a, his foot. Mm, more than a foot, but not like a huge role. 
Okay, but he's in it. What happened in 93? So funny enough, I actually don't have a lot of stuff from 93. Um, so Trying to figure out if I was using your clues structure, what I might give you for this. Uh, first name rhymes with a Will Smith makeup movie. Uh, makeout, not makeout, hookup movie. Last name is an animal I see in my backyard a lot. So Hitch Deer. Right? Wow, that was really good. Yeah. All right. So but it was a rhymes with. Right, rhymes with. So what rhymes with hitch? Um I have no oh uh Mitch. Uh oh I know what this is. I know what this is. I don't remember his last name, but th- uh this is the f- uh this is uh the firm, right? It Which is man, that that was a great pull, buddy. That's pretty good. So this is uh there's a theme here. There's a lot of really good lawyer movies that JT either has not seen or does not remember seeing. Put this on the list. Which of the sides of that list does this belong on? So I am almost positive I've seen this movie. But if you told me to tell you anything about it other than I think the the reason I think I've seen this movie is is because is, is this is Gene Hackman, right? Yes. I remember the Gene Hackman scene during the bar thing in the beginning of the movie when like no one's ever passed the bar. That like that whole bit is like pretty permanently placed in my skull. And then the rest of the movie basically isn't. <laughs> Got it. So I won't go too deep into the pod. It's it's I've seen it I think about ten years ago was the last time I rewatched. And it held up perfectly. I mean the the plot has to be set in ninety three because there's no cell phones and all that kind of stuff. But it doesn't matter because it does that slice of life very well. Tom Cruise, this is a great Tom Cruise movie. This is like just Tom Cruise, Tom Cruise. He gets to run. He gets to yell at things. He gets to slam his fists on the table and like have a really intense reaction. He gets to get real up close with with people and like talk in that subtle Tom Cruise voice. It's great. And he plays this law student that kicks butt. He can also do gymnastics. It's wonderful. Jean Triplehorn in her five-year journey that, you know, you, you really thought she was going to be a much bigger thing than she ends up being. So love the firm. The Quaker Oats reference is because Wilford Brimley is in it. Oh, diabetes. <laughs> so to Hughes, diabetes, to me, he's the Quaker Oats guy. Got it. <laughs> okay. There's a. I'll just say there's a scene where the Quaker Oats guy gets all sorts of scary. And I remember I'm like 20 when this comes out. I'm like, what is going on here? That guy does not get to be a scary bad guy. I don't know if Brimley got a best supporting actor, but in my little world, he certainly deserves it for that little turn. All right. But to the whole thing, it's, it's a fun movie. It was not Grisham's first adapted work, but I still think it was the best. Uh, there's a couple of others. I actually made a decision that I would only do one Grisham movie in my entire list. Wow. Which is why I sent you the text that I was worried that there wasn't enough to, yeah, that, to pull from. That takes a lot off. Yeah. I would suggest seeing it. I think it holds up. It's a little long. It's definitely a slower paced movie, but it's on purpose, right? It's set in... I want to say it's in Savannah or maybe Atlanta, but I think it was somewhere smaller. I think it was in Savannah, Georgia. Everybody in it is great, by the way. Ed Harris, if you like Ed Harris at all, oh, this is a great Ed Harris. Um, I love it. That's all. That's all I got to say. 
Well, so we've talked about, I think, once or twice, we've at least made mention of my sort of like not particular fondness of Tom Cruise, correct? I think he's slightly above a Travolta, but he's definitely below a Michael Kine. Oh, he's, I think he is eons <laughs> below Michael Kine. But I, I, like Travolta, I also don't necessarily high in super high, reg- high regard. My problem with Cruz is that I think he is extraordinarily one dimensional. I think he's very good in that dimension. I don't even know if he's the best in that dimension, but he's awfully, awfully good. But I don't, I think his range is extraordinarily limited. I think that's a fair statement. I think that's part of why he's good in this movie is this is, you know, he's a very convincing Ethan Hunt and he's a very convincing Mitch McDeer. You know, these are his kinds of roles. Right. Yeah, I like, and that's why, like, listen, Cole Trickle and Maverick, like, it, it, like he's an archetype and it works. I just, like, for some reason, I feel, maybe I'm wrong about this, and I think one of our friends has actually told me I'm wrong about this, but I can't remember, that I just think people hold him up as, like, a, one of the generational actors. And it's just, like, that bothers me a lot because he's had a sustained career, so, like, absolutely true. And I do think he's good in the things he does, but, like, if you put him next to Hanks, Phil Seymour Hoffman, Denzel, Michael Caine, Gene Hackman, you know, any any of those get like he's not anywhere close. He's not. But let me give you a different way to think about it, okay. because you're everything you're saying is fair. Some of the actors you mentioned, Denzel, Hackman, a few others in particular, you could almost argue they're. I don't want to use the word utility infielder but it's probably a decent way to think about it. Tom Cruise is, let's call it a catcher. Right. Fair. He's a, and he is the best catcher. Absolutely bar none. There's nobody who can do a Tom Cruise role better than Tom Cruise. Like try to picture what you've liked him in and swap him out and tell me who you're putting in in his place. Uh, So here's the thing. Uh, The only person that I'll say, so when Damon did Bourne, that's a that like I don't think Tom Cruise could have done that better than Damon. I don't think Bourne is a Tom Cruise role. I think it's, you're right. It's too deep. <laughs> it's too there's too much of the un, uncertain of identity throughout the series. He's always questioning himself. He's always and, and Damon has that sort of introspective nature. Tom Cruise is Tom Cruise could have done the Chris Cooper part, the handler. Sure. Tom Cruise is sure of himself. Okay. And if he is and, and if he's not, then he's caught in a moment where it's revealed to him to be unsure of himself, right? Like right. in Minority Report or things like that. But who could you put Matt Damon in, you know, what pick the age appropriate version in Top Gun, in Minority Report, right? Like maybe Minority actually. I could I could see Damon pulling that one off pretty well. I could see Minority Report. I actually could see him as Ethan Hunt too. Like I actually think, like I think we're so ingrained that Cruz is him, but like I could put, Ethan Hunt I think is more replacement. To be honest, I think the hardest one is Maverick. I don't see anybody else in that. Like that one, I can't put anybody else in. Like that and Cole Trickle was a real moment in time when it's like, no, he created some mm-hmm. of that energy on screen. I think, and I think he deserves credit for that. But I think since then, I'm kind of like, all right, Jack Reacher, like we get it. Like just, just sit down, like take a take a take a knee. 
We're, let's not, we're not talking about Jack Reacher because the character is supposed to be 6'5". Channing Tatum at age 40 is Jack Reacher. Like, <laughs> okay, Exactly fair. that. They should just stop making those movies until Channing Tatum turns 40 years old. Or <laughs> No, probably not John. I was going to say maybe John Cena, maybe Bautista. One of those two because he is supposed to be this humongous menacing presence. Scene is a lot shorter than you think. But anyway, I, I digress. We can keep moving. All right. All right. I think coming back to the cruise topic, though, is really interesting. Maybe we do a whole cruise episode and recasting and like try to really play that up because it's an interesting point you raise that I am willing to fight you on. Like fisticuffs. I would, yeah, all right. I mean, I don't, <laughs> I don't feel that strongly, but I will definitely like, I think we could go IMDb punch for punch with Tom Cruise as to whether or not he did the best that anybody could have done in that role. I would happily do that. Okay, let's do that. Okay, everybody, we're going to have a detoured episode, and we're going to do the Tom Cruise career review. Uh, we'll do some research. So let's take some, like, not next oh, yeah. week. In a few weeks, we'll do this. Absolutely. Put it on the board. Yes. All right. Uh, next for me, we're going to go January 14th, 1994. Uh, really difficult cast. Uh, Roberta Maxwell and Robert Ridgely. It's probably not super helpful. I got nothing so far. Give me your. Uh, I actually like this. So this is fun. Remember, I'm trying to orient you on the name of the, the lawyer. So cup of coffee, factory worker. Joe. Yep. Factory worker. Factory. I don't know. Like. It's a name. Uh, like a machinist or something or so think of like somebody who works in a factory like specifically they're uh, a company that makes lots of food products general mills so what would be a, a someone who worked in a mill you could potentially call them a and a very, miller yeah joe miller do you know who joe <laughs> miller is <laughs> give me the year again 94 94 lawyer movie Joe Miller and now I'm now I'm de deliberately not looking at my list to see if anything's coming to mind. I don't have anything offhand. So I'll do a quick glance at the list. I don't even have a 94 wait, 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 wait. I didn't look up I have five movies for my my past five that I did not look up the details on and one of them I predicted you might pick is this Philadelphia. It is. Yes. Well done. Uh, this movie to me, so first of all, I liked this because there's two lawyers in it. It's both it's both Denzel's character and Tom Hanks's character. Uh, I also just got to mention both Tom Hanks and Denzel as like two of the greatest actors, I think, of our generation, which I think is on display in this movie in a big way. Um, I just, Philadelphia, first of all, culturally is so important. Um, and the the award speech that Tom Hanks gave at the Oscars that year is like really iconic and for all the right reasons. And when you think about the fact that this is from 94, like, and now going backwards to 25 plus years old, like way ahead of the curve, right? Like it was really in the mist. And, and to be honest, you probably have a totally different perspective on, on this movie than I do only in the sense that you were old enough that some of that culture was happening around you and you might've been privy to it. Whereas I, first of all, just grew up in like an aggressively liberal house where I just thought everybody lived that way and also was young, too young to notice if other people weren't. Uh, but did, did you see this as a kid? So I, I saw this as a young adult. So I did not okay. see it when it came out, but I, I 
in the vein, it's actually my birth mother's birthday today. Uh, in Deb White fashion, definitely saw it too young. Uh, okay. like, like with her for sure. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> like just really leaning into me being precocious my whole life. Uh, but yeah, I just think like, so Joe Miller specifically took on a case that he didn't necessarily want at a time that it was very difficult to take on this case against an enormous firm that was absolutely going to cripple him. And there's three or four moments in that courtroom that first of all, I love the way this was filmed. Like I absolutely love the way this was filmed because it really did. Uh, it, it was it was Jonathan Demi, and it just like has a very real, gritty, raw feel. Specifically, the courtroom stuff. But there's a couple moments in that courtroom that are kind of like big, big. Take your breath back, like whoo, boy, that's like heavy and hard to do. Uh, and it takes time, and, and like you know, they do it over a period of time. I just really think it's a really, really well done movie. The acting is phenomenal, and. I, I couldn't think of a lawyer out of outside of Atticus Finch. I couldn't think of a single lawyer where I was like, oh, that person went way above and beyond and did all the things that you're supposed to do in defense of your client. The end. Yeah, this is probably the most important lawyer on my entire list, including my top five, et cetera, after Atticus. Agreed with all that. I saw this movie. I haven't seen this movie since it came out. By the way, I saw it the one time whenever... Because it's not really a high rewatchable movie. No. It's a great movie. I From what I, I read about this recently, it came up as one of those like 25th anniversary or whatever. And the general vibe on it, though, was doesn't actually hold up that well as a movie. And the pacing's wrong for, for modern standards. Big time. Uh, by the way, it's been recently pointed out to me that I use the word pacing a tremendous amount on this podcast. I would love to see a word cloud of all our transcripts <laughs> to, to see how far I often I go there. But I think it's, I, I think as I mature in the way I look at films, it's I've realized it just becomes a more important aspect of things. So this movie was very, very big from a zeitgeist perspective. When this came out, I think this is the wake up call movie for, I don't know. I don't want to say my entire generation or, or, or represent misrepresent, but I think societally, this is the, what we'd say today is like open the conversation. Yep. Right. On a few topics, right. It brought AIDS. This plus magic Johnson sort of moved AIDS out of being a, almost a ridiculed disease into a, Hey, people, this is serious and folks are dying. Can we deal with this already? Type of thing. So it really brought it to the to the forefront where it made it sort of instantly not okay that it had ever not been a serious topic. Right. And then that I think the movie had that impact. I also would say this movie was probably pretty meaningful on the beginning of the transition out of uh, I don't even know how I'm gonna address this, uh, but general homophobia in, in America. I think oh, this yeah. didn't, I mean, it clearly didn't solve the problem because from what I heard recently, it's, it's, there's still a couple of people who think that way, but I think this, <laughs> I think this made it a bit more, this might've been the beginning of the end of the, you know, quote unquote gay joke. Right. Yeah. Which is still, you know, pervasive in culture, but this, this probably took a lot of folks out of, Hey, you know, maybe those kind of things aren't funny. Like, maybe that's a little hurtful. I think this movie had a huge impact in that regard. 
Yeah, I, I, I assume that you're right because I wasn't living in the time when it would have actually happened. But what if you watch back, and I agree, like the movie's definitely slow. It's not highly rewatchable because it kind of like the payoff works the one time and the rest of it makes it's hard to watch again, which is right. That's that's a way to make a movie, by the way. Uh, and, and I think you're 100% right that it, well, I know you're 100% right that like it changed the way and the culture. For me, Denzel's portrayal of that also not to be lost on the fact a a black man right 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 right. like there was just a lot of heft in this and both denzel and tom hanks as they always do came to play two quick things of trivia that i thought that i want to mention one is just for me jonathan demi this was filmed in sequence which jeremy you know is one of my favorite things that's one of my favorite things in movies i just like the idea of it the fun part so there's a lot of really good like so Bradley Whitford's in this, who you know I love because of Aaron Sorkin things. Um, Antonio Banderas plays Miguel Alvarez, which is like a not a huge role, but a role. John Leguizamo, John Leguizamo turned that role down to be Ooh. in Super Mario Brothers. Just let that sink. Do, 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 do. <laughs> anyway, uh, yeah, I love this movie. I, I, I don't know that I'll watch it anytime soon again. Um, I would be interested to watch it just to see how bad the speed is and pacing, but yeah, I probably won't. Yeah. I I've reached that. I start seeing things in my list to, to rewatch and I'm like, mm, unless I think it's going to really entertain me or I think I missed a point of it. I'm, I'm having a harder time. Same. I almost, I almost rewatched Rocky four the other day though. Cause I just did uh, listen to a couple podcasts about it. And, and we had talked briefly about it a few weeks ago and I was like, Oh, Rocky four. But I think now what I want to do is show, show it to Sam and the kids and see how that plays yeah. out, how, how bored they get. <laughs> nice. Okay. 1992. I will give you Austin Pendleton, who you might he's – a, he's a that guy. Yeah. You know who I'm talking about? I know who he is. Yeah, I don't know okay. what movie yet, but – Fred Gwynn, who was uh, in The Munsters. Oh, and okay. was a 70s and 60s acting icon. And your five words are defended to mispronounced young people. Oh, uh, my cousin Vinny. That's correct. Yeah, all right. These two Utes. Utes, the Utes. So I have this on my, I think JT might pick this also list. So this is a movie that, so it's in my top five. Um, okay. I don't, I don't have to share it, but I probably will. We'll see. Let's see how good you do. There's part of me that would say this is my favorite lawyer thing of all time. It's, and when I say favorite, I mean that word deliberately. It's not the most uh, uh, meaningful. It's not the most impactful. It's not necessarily the best acting. It is just such a great role. Vinny is such a character. He's amazing. And especially when you think of Joe Pesci coming off Goodfellas and then going into Casino and and I think uh, Bronx Tales right after this also. So just show up out of nowhere, kind of keep that maybe I'm a wise guy type of character, but then turn him into this effectively sweet, earnest guy who really just wants to, to, to do the right thing. And, you know, he's a bit, you know, he needs sort of that kick in the butt, but I'm okay with it. He's so much fun to watch. Uh, Ralph Macchio comes out of nowhere in this performance. So good. You know, he's he's good. Marissa Tomei, who oh. did who won the best act best supporting actress for it. She I, I was in love with her forever after this movie. I still, I still am. From I think I, I think it's it's a toss up between this and Aunt May, I guess. 
Yeah, Aunt May. I mean, that's why I'm saying I still am. Like, she's still absolutely stunning and just seems like she's such a good time. <laughs> yeah, like, she she plays characters where she sort of makes characters people you sort of want to hang out with or get a drink with or whatever, right? Like, yeah. they just seem cool. Like Highly approachable. Yeah. But fundamentally, this movie's all about watching Minnie find ways to navigate the law, to navigate the the facts of the story and it's great i i if you have not seen my cousin Vinny, i i urge or urge you to see my cousin Vinny. so here's my question and i'm going to base on whether or not we share this and i'll let you go again or if i'll just substitute another movie in on your answer is vincent gambini a very good lawyer because hear me out no spoilers but a big part of the a big part of this does not rest on a finding that he has but instead a finding that someone else had on his behalf i think he's a tremendous lawyer okay i think i mean that's look I, I, everything i know about lawyerliness since we already established i didn't become one is from watching everything from la law all the way up to, I don't know, Better Call Saul is probably the most current lawyer thing I watch. And lawyers have associates who do things for them, and they have big fancy offices, and they have access to research and all that. He had none of that, so he improvised. He's like the MacGyver of lawyers. I love it. Yeah, I feel the same way. And I, I, I wanted to share this anyway. I just wanted to put a little pressure on you. But yeah, My Cousin Vinny is such a good movie. Like, this is one of those movies that I would be interested to watching again, because I assume it's probably like maybe a little bit slow. I'm sure some references don't land, but like it's still I've seen it. I've seen parts of it, at least relatively recently and still always every time it's on. I'm like, I love this part. I love this part. <laughs> yeah, this is one of those. This is probably in a Shawshank like category where I find it's probably a hard to deliberately turn on. Like, I'm sure it's on Prime or whatever. But if I were a cable, if I were in a hotel and I was flipping through hotel TV instead of using my iPad to actually watch good stuff, then on the hotel TV, if my cousin were there, I'm watching straight through to the end yeah. for sure. Totally agree. All right. Yeah, we're going to share this one. So you get to go again. Okie doke. Then I shall do such a thing. The next one, I'm going to stay in the 90s. One more time for the 90s for me. Okay. 96. Ooh. Well, this is a fun bridge. So my cousin Vinny, Joe Pesci to Chaz Palminteri in Bronx Tale. Yeah. So Chaz Palminteri. Okay. Another actor I think you like, Kevin Pollack. Oh, I love Kevin Pollack. Worked for an unknown devil. Oh, um, no, it wouldn't be Devil's Advocate because you wouldn't give me the... No, this is the... Is this the one... So this might be one of those movies that I just didn't see again. So you said this is 96? It is. Um, based on that cast, is is this... Uh, uh, why can't I think of his name? Charlize Theron in this movie? She is not. Oh, so maybe that is Devil's Advocate then. I don't know what this is. This is the the lawyer's name. Ooh, uh, named after a Japanese ceramic brand. Named after a Japanese ceramic brand. 
That's a deep cut to pull off the cuff, my friend. I'm very impressed with you right now. Unfortunately, I don't know that it's helping my cause much at all. Kobayashi. Oh, okay. From the usual, the usual suspects. <sighs> this is one of those. This is one of my favorite picks. I wrote it down right away. In in by the way, I forgot to mention I did end up doing a lot of googling on this topic later because I I really felt like I didn't want to miss other characters like this one, where at no point is there a courtroom scene. At no point does Kobayashi, who's played by Pete Postlethwaite, who I know we both like, yep. from the town and such, he doesn't really actually do any true lawyerly things, but he is Kaiser Sose's lawyer. That's mm-hmm. how he's introduced. And so I decided to go off and research, like, are there other lawyer roles that aren't in lawyer movies? Turns out that's impossible to research. Right. You go find, you go Google best lawyers in movies and, and any variation of that phrase. And all you get is like the top 20 lawyer movies of all time by lawyerblog.net, right? Like that's, that's what you're seeing a lot of. Google, what happened to you? Anyhow, I love the usual suspects. We've talked about it a few times. So in this case, I just want to take just a few minutes. Pete Postlethwaite's performance as Kobayashi is one of my favorites. I had never seen the actor prior to this movie. By the way, Usual Suspects is also a movie I saw in theaters. It's the same year, I think. It's, no, it's not the same year, Sixth Sense. But the thing it has in common for me is I went into both of them without knowing anything about twistiness and whatnot. And so it was a wonderful watch. And, and one of the few movies that is such a big reveals, there's multiple reveals throughout that I've watched over and over again. But Kobayashi is particularly important because everything about the way he plays this role goes from... He's sort of this lackey admin who's just trying to get the, you know, this, this, the round up the usual suspects, get them doing their thing, all the way to this crazy, menacing, dark. Like, he's the real threat of this movie. At mm. no point does Kaiser Sose himself, I'm trying to do this without any spoilers, by the way. At no point does Kaiser Sose reveal his own menace. It's, it's Kobayashi who sort of, is the nar- he, he's sort of the narrator of Kaiser Sose's story in a way. Yeah. And I love it. I'm probably not a great lawyer. Um, <laughs> I don't know. I didn't see him. There was no prosecution. There was no defense. There wasn't like a big stack of papers that he was... He never carried a briefcase, as I recall. Maybe he did. Probably had a briefcase. It was the 90s. Everyone had briefcases, uh, I think. So many briefcases. So, anyhow, that was my... I, you know, I try not to bring up Usual Suspects in every cast because it is one of my absolute favorites. But I figured this was a time to just talk about that performance and and cemented in my head. Like every time I've seen Mr. Pothos, what, Poth, I cannot say his name well at all. Too early. Every time I, and I don't want to say Pete because I feel like he's too good and big an actor to be Pete. To be a, to be a Pete. <laughs> I can't imagine being on set with him and say, "Hey, Pete, can you? Uh, what is it, what's your line again?" Like, I, I don't know what you're marking. What do they say? Anyhow, do they call him Pete, Peter? Because <laughs> he wasn't known as Peter. He was known as Pete Postlethwaite. He doesn't. Fe- it doesn't seem like a Pete. <laughs> he doesn't. No. All right. What's your next pick, JT? Uh, well, I want to tell first. I want to tell you that's a great pick. I am like ninety nine percent sure that movie's from nineteen ninety five, not ninety six, and that's okay. Um, Ooh! But that is an incredibly good get, and I'm a little bummed out that I didn't think of it. And I, I have a feeling that's going to be the Jeremy got me this week. Like that's a really good 
it never even crossed my mind. It never once crossed my mind to look into that movie. But you're right. That's medicine is a really good word for him in general. All right. Uh, moving along, I'm going to go October 10th of 2014. Okay. Uh, this cast is so good. Uh, let's do uh, Billy Bob Thornton and David Krumholtz. It's very funny, by the way. I just rewatched the movie with Krumholtz in it. Uh, we'll talk about it another time, I'm sure. But uh, this is definitely not that. So keep going. All right. So again, uh, giving you the name of the lawyer, which I don't know if you've seen this movie, so this might not help. But uh, former Rangers goalie, Shylock Chili. Former Rangers goalie, and there are a bunch of, bunch of them. How, how old? Like what the most recent former Rangers goalie. Uh, who was who wasn't Kucherov? Um, now I'm feeling bad because I know uh, not Flurry, not the, yeah. the one who was Lundquist. Right. So his first name is Henrik, and they call him in New York Henry Hank Hank. Hank. Do they? Yep. I don't know. I don't like the Rangers. We, we don't like I'm, you either. I'm just I'm just <laughs> appeasing you. <laughs> but I, I'm I'm happy. I remember uh, Hank. Lundquist. And what's the last name? Or what's the clue? Shylock Chili. I don't know what that phrasing means. Oh, really? Palmer? Yeah. See, you do know. Oh, okay. Hank Palmer. That does sound familiar. Okay. I'm guessing is this in the category of movies? Maybe I saw and don't really remember. What? What? 2014? 2014. I'll give you two more cast members that, if you've seen it, will give it away. Robert Downey Jr. and Robert Duvall. How have I not seen this movie? That What? 2014? Is that the one? 20... With Robert Duvall. I'm sure this is the one I haven't seen. Is this a... Uh... What's the movie called? I don't know, buddy. I don't it, wanna... It's called The Judge. Oh, so this is a, it's a Grisham one. Yeah. I did not see this one. I don't think, at least. Okay, so I have I saw it relatively recently. Like, I think within the past, like, two or two years. Like, this might have been a quarantine movie for me. And okay. it was a movie that I, like, kind of, it didn't do particularly well, other than there was a lot of buzz around how good Duvall was. But it was one of those casts where when I read through the cast, I was like, I don't have a good reason for not giving this a go. Because the cast is like one of those how did this happen casts, like where everybody is just really good, um, like across the board. It's it's funny you say that. So I, I did look at all of the Grisham movies. Just like I was I wanted to make sure that I was picking the firm. Because I've seen, I guess not all of them, maybe five or six of the seven. Uh here's what's interesting. The cast across the list. I, I'm willing to wager you've got almost all A-listers from the 90s and 2000s have appeared in a Grisham. It, it's amazing. Yeah, and and this th- like this, I I think you're probably right. And like for this one, if you you know you go Downey Duvall, you've got uh, Vera Farmiga, Billy Bob Thornton, Vincent D'Onofrio, Jeremy Strong, who now because of his stuff in Secession is like I think he's unbel- I think he's an amazing actor. And I've had forgotten in this, I'm like, oh, he's really good in this. Dax Shepard is in this. Ken Howard, Emma Tremblay. It's just like anyone who's ever been anyone. They were like Grisham. They were like, all right. 
and nailed it. So here's the thing about this this movie. Back to what I said uh, in the beginning around what makes a good lawyer, right? When I was like about Fletcher Reed. So this is a really interesting storyline where basically Robert Downey Jr. has to come back and defend his father, Robert Duvall, who's a judge. So this is all the lawyering. Yeah. Right? Like this is all of the lawyering. There's lots of family tension. Um, I do think it had some just now I'm very aware of now me saying it too. It did have some pacing problems. Um, I can see why it didn't do extraordinarily well because it's a little bit heavy and it's not enough funny. But from a lawyer standpoint, he is like this sharp tongued, amazing, big city, slick lawyer who comes to this small town where his dad's the judge and then has to go up against Billy Bob Thornton, who turns in a like profoundly Billy Bob, like big time Billy Bob energy in this. And it's just a lot of fun and not giving the movie away. You can make arguments for where he's not a great lawyer. However, uh, in the grand scheme of things, I think he comes out on the other side, the best kind of lawyer, which is the point. And so for Mm. that reason, I thought Hank Palmer was actually really good, even more so than some of the other folks that because there's a couple other movies where I was like, I think this is better than that. But I like this one. So I picked that one. Nice. By the way, the movie, I'm still stuck on. There's some other Robert Downey Jr. movie from around this time that's like rattling around my brain somewhere that I'm, that I'm, I will say I'm mildly distracted trying to get, and I just don't want to go to IMDb and just look it up. But there's something else out there. Yeah. Uh, nice pick, buddy. I don't. I definitely haven't seen it. And you'd say like, go give it a watch. It holds up. Yeah, I would say it's like a really good, like if you like, like, yeah, you like movies. You would, you would enjoy this. You probably won't watch it again, but you'd have a good time. All right, maybe a rowing, a rowing movie. It'd, actually, it'd be a great rowing. It, it's a, it'd be a great background movie. All right. Well, it's your fault though that I am stuck on Doom Patrol and I didn't realize it was a fifteen episode, hour long episode first season. Yeah. To, to be fair, I also didn't Ruby realize that. <laughs> to be fair, when I started watching it, I also didn't realize it was going to be that. So, <laughs> are you done with the first season? No, it's too long. <laughs> oh wait, yeah. Dude, is this one of those things like you started a thing and then you just left and I'm still doing it? It might be. We'll we'll we'll, we'll talk. Uh, <laughs> all right, I'm moving this on. Uh, this one I'm not going to talk about for long because it's one of those movies I've talked about. 1972. Okay. James Con Sterling Hayden. Yeah, it's, this is going to be one of those movies I haven't seen. I think you've seen it. Wasn't ready for wartime gig. Patton. Tom Hagen. This is the consigliere from The Godfather. Oh, I didn't even think of this, to be completely honest. So Hagen was the family attorney. Yeah. He's great. Robert Duvall, who's now come up, I think, in his third movie. Yeah, he was in To Kill a Mockingbird. He was in The Judge. Way to go. Let's see, is he any of the rest of my list? He wasn't in Liar Liar, but he could have been. He could have been. He's that. He's just, he's Duvall. Anyhow... He's great. Look, he's great in The Godfather. Again, not a lot of lawyer late lawyering going on, and I don't really have much to say. I don't know why. I don't. I, I feel like we've been talking long, and there's some other ones I really want to talk longer about. But he's got the family interest at heart. He's got a good role. He's good in both of the two Godfather movies that exist. True. Only both two. of them. Both Only both two. movies. Yep. That's right. That's right. <laughs> So you've seen, but you have seen both. Oh my god, yeah, of course. Okay, all right. 
I thought the Sterling Hayden might have been a bit of a giveaway, but he's the cop, by the way. Yeah, no, that's fair. So the thing is, is that there's a there's a couple of movies that I had like written down where I'm like, Jeremy could pick any of these, and I just haven't seen them, or I don't remember mm. seeing them. So like, I'm like, Meh, maybe. And so I, I I wasn't going in a oh you've definitely seen this movie path. I was going in a <laughs> what's one of those movies that you haven't seen that maybe he's talking about. Ah, no, no, no. I, I think you know. Look, he, he's Duval's great in this. He's super sincere. He really is the foil, right? He's the guy like, hey, you shouldn't do this. You shouldn't do this one. You shouldn't do that one. You know, he's he's has to roll with the punches of this kind of crazy, messed up family the whole way through. Yeah. Uh, but I would have seen, I guess he has some courtroom scenes in the sequel. Part two as a couple. A couple, but they're they're fleeting. But yeah. Yeah. But anyway, I just wanted to get it, get it back in the top five. There you it, go. It belongs in every top five that it can that it can fit in for sure. Uh, all right, my last one, uh, March seventeenth, two thousand. Very difficult cast. Um, David Brisbane and Albert Finney. Love the Finney. I know you do. David Brisbane, I don't recognize. All right, let's get your actor cleverness. Okay, um, Gaelic for peaceful. Polish last name. <laughs> um, all I'm thinking about is uh, Mike Wazowski. Mike Wazowski. Is, is it Mike Wazowski? It's, it's not Monsters, Inc. <laughs> oh, it's too bad. Albert Finney. And the only memory movie memory of this era for me and him is like Big Fish, which I don't think this is. It's not. Because I don't think he's a lawyer. Even though I, don't, I don't remember it that well. But... Mm, Gaelic for peace. Yep, peaceful technically. Peaceful, and you, you knew this one also because I forgot you've got a whole Gaelic background to you. Well, it's also I'll give you the first name and that'll give it away. But like in the in Irish, we're like Aaron Gobra is like a thing. Ah, Aaron Brockovich. Aaron Brockovich. So good pick. really good pick. Really, really not. Why is this not in any of my stuff? <laughs> Okay, this is yours for the week. There you go. <laughs> there it is. So yeah, I'm kind of surprised. I've been waiting for this one from you. Although I wasn't sure. I was like, you know what? Because of the timing of this, I was like, he might give this to me so he can do one that maybe I won't do just from our list vying. Uh, but this movie is amazing. It's a true story. It's like a 98% true story. Julia Roberts is a monster. The end. Oh, for sure. I every <laughs> agreed. I don't know if I would make my top five from this, from the list I have, but it certainly would have been at least a contender, if not in Pong. Like it, it's up there somewhere. Great, great pick. Yeah, it's so good. I just and I like honestly, I'm not gonna say like go see it. And by the way, this holds up. I've seen this recently, and like it is still real strong. It's still really strong. Nice, nice. Uh, I love this pick. I'm, I'm just sitting here kicking myself for not having it at all anywhere because it it definitely when I reached that research stage, it was definitely in all the lists. Um, but I guess I just did not put it in mine. Yeah, listen, I'm glad you didn't because I got to have one. I'll take it. Yeah. Uh, no, I think, and Julia Roberts' performance of this is oh, standout. Like, so good. This, I would say that might be her peak acting performance. Uh, I mean, it's it's in the conversation. It's, I, yeah. Nothing's jumping out to me that makes me think of her better. I'll say that. Like, she's more fun in Pretty Woman, but she's not as... I mean, the range in Aaron is so much stronger. And, and it's such a good movie. It's such an important story. And 
Dot, dot, dot. I saw it after it peaked, by the way. This is one of those I saw. If it came out in 2000, I probably saw it in like 2003 or 2004 or something like that. Okay. But but great pick. Thank you. All right. For my last one, 1998. I'm sorry, 1988. Ooh, okay. This is an impossible cast, so these are possible full-on giveaways. Kevin Klein and Jamie Lee Curtis. I love Kevin Klein so much. Jamie Lee Curtis in 88. I don't have anything in the 80s on my list literally anywhere, so I have no idea what you're talking about yet. Wore a very silly wig. Wore a very silly wig. Uh, this still is not happening for me. 80. In this case, is in this case, our lawyer is a barrister. Is a barrister. A barrister. I'm not doing a very good British anything. Uh, <laughs> I have no idea what this is. You can just tell me. I thought the silly word might be enough of a cue. So the movie is A Fish Called Wanda. Yeah, this is one of those movies that you have given me grief for for because it's like a barely remember it sort of deal. Put this on the I list, know. JT. I, I get you. It's criminal. I know. Stars John Cleese, who I had the privilege of seeing in person live last night. And was so, like, desperate to find a way. It's funny. I, I shared this with you. I had actually tweeted at him, like, I can't wait to see, you know, one of those, like, fanboy kind of tweets. And he actually liked the tweet. And I was like, oh, my God, I'm on Cloud9 because a famous person I like did an irrelevant thing on the Internet with makeup and unimportant points and whatever. In fairness got, to you, in fairness, he didn't like your tweet. He retweeted your tweet. He did both those things. That's true, right? I got the RT out of it. You got a big RT out of the Cleese. That's not. I let's did. not skip past that. <laughs> so I was so desperate to have like this. Hey, and by the way, Mister at John Cleese, I'm going to be doing this podcast, and I'm going to talk about you. So I hope you care, but I know you don't because you're John Cleese. <laughs> by the way, he was great in person. I can't imagine he would be anything other than perfect. <laughs> yeah, he's on tour. I'm sure there are seats available. He's, his wit is just as sharp. Apparently his hearing is not, but his wit is just as sharp. <laughs> and I really enjoyed it quite a bit. So, Fish Called Wanda. Probably a terrible, terrible lawyer. He, I, I don't want to go too far into the plot points. Now, it doesn't really matter because it's more of an irreverent comedy. But basically, he does not do any form of a good job in his lawyering whatsoever shenanigans ensue courtroom hijinks ensue probably why it's good but this is more the excuse to pull in a john cleese performance into a top five list where it otherwise sort of doesn't make sense fair yeah i love it all i'm gonna like i don't don't think i need to take this too much further you really have to see this movie as an adult it's yeah. especially with your love. Like you love all of the cast. All of them. I know you love Python stuff. I love it. I'll watch the judge. That's not on fair. my, no, it's not fair, but I watched that. Uh, I watched the, the, what was the one with the Camille, Camille Ninjami, the, uh, Oh, big, big sick. sick. Big sick's a great movie. That's like a great movie though. Well, so is fish called Wanda, sir. Well, the two that I tell, cause I actually just got asked this question, uh, this week by a listener and, and a friend. Uh, who said, what are the movies that like Jeremy's really hounding you for that you really feel the need to watch? Fish Called Wanda, I will put at number two behind Real Genius. Real Genius is still my number one. All right. And where's Fletch on the list? 
As of right now. Uh, and where <laughs> is Wildcats on the list? Wildcats is higher. Wildcats is higher than Fletch. Here's the thing. I want to watch Fletch with you. Like we need to Fair be enough. in a room having a beer, watching Fletch, so that I can appreciate you appreciating that movie. I have the other Jeremy in my life is my friend, like obviously my friend Jeremy. I like other than like being the, like you know the best man at his wedding and absolutely adoring him. Like I keep him around because his he has made bad movies good for me because him enjoying them he has a great laugh. It's great. There's a bunch of movies that I've seen with and without him, and I see them without him. And I'm like this this is a needs Jeremy movie. I want to see Fletch with with you. 100%. Okay, we'll figure it out. All right. So that means we are moving on to Pong. I'm going to tell you uh, it's a pretty thin list for this guy this week because you have used a few. Um, and also, it was just a pretty thin list because, as I mentioned, I, I also had to research this and went researching and went, wow, you don't know enough about a lot of these very well-considered movies to talk about literally any of them. Understood, but... Let's hear him anyway. Yeah, let's do it. So I'll start with 92. Uh, God is Judge, Spanish Cafeteria. And I can't believe you didn't have this in your top five. I was positive this was going to be in your top five. <laughs> Let me. God is, is judge. judge. Yep. And Spanish Cafeteria, first name, last name. Spanish Cafeteria. Is that like uh, Mercado or something? Caf- cafe, technically. I think it's pronounced Spanish in the movie. Caffey. Caffey. I'll be honest, by the way, I don't, um, I don't know Spanish. <laughs> That's fair. Um, what was the year? 92. Okay. I, this is my first Pong entry as well. Okay. My five is, well, let's make sure. Who were your, who were your two cast members you would get? Oh, you don't have to in Pong. No, I don't. <laughs> Would Kevin Pollack and Kevin Bacon? Yeah, they'd both probably be in that movie. You might have noticed, by the way, that's the fourth time I've had Kevin's. A lot of Kevin's. Second time with Kevin Pollack, too. A lot of repeats. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I had showed he could handle prosecution. Yeah, there it is. So Lieutenant Daniel Caffey from A Few Good Men. Wait, Daniel is judge as God? What is that? It's the, the meaning of Daniel is... Uh, uh, God is your judge or something. I don't know. I was trying to make And you knew that is what you're saying to me. No, no. I looked it up. I looked it up. A little bit of a cheater. Yeah, that's all right. Whatever. All right. Go on. (laughs) Okay. Uh, Do you want to talk about it all or just the shout out to A Few Good Men? Good movie. You know, it's fine. Tom Cruise. Well, this is in my pong also. So unfortunately, you're you're up again. All right. Uh, 2001. Letter... Forest with trees. Letter, forest with trees. Isn't that a forest? I was just trying to make it as close to five words as possible. Is is it forest? No. Letter like A, B, C, yep. D? D? Nope. D's a name? Nope. Zed? You made me watch this movie. What year? 2001. I made you watch this movie from 2001. Uh-huh. I don't even think I see something from 2001 on my lists. So this is Elle Woods from Legally Blonde. Oh, yeah, Legally Blonde. That's right. It's in my Fast Five with a tag of you You will pick it. 
Yeah, no. Well, you made I didn't want to watch it. You got you and my wife made me watch this movie, and I it was fine. Did you like it? It was fine. Yeah, you did a good job. I was like, okay, I never have to see it again. But I was like, yeah, this is fine. It's good. Yeah, it's cute. It's great. It's a fun movie. Yeah. All right, 1996. Got played defending secret villain. 96 got played defending secret villain. Uh, I don't know. Primal Fear with Richard Gere and oh, Ed Norton. Oh, yeah. That's, so this, that's one of the ones on my list of like, I know I've seen this movie and couldn't talk about it. Yeah, I have a weird thing. So I was doing some research on it and it was really well liked by audiences and really disliked by critics. But I remember this as one of those like everybody's seeing this movie. I think it was another one of those, like, some twistiness to it that made people like, ooh, I want to see what the twist is. That's fair. Yeah. Uh, let's do 2000. No, let's do 94. Uh, famous Indiana Pacer. Caring person. Is the last one nurse? Nope. It's not a role. It's like an, another adjective. Empath? Close. Think more like touchy-feely sort of deal um mom <laughs> well that's gonna make the answer real awkward <laughs> okay what was this uh this was the client and it was reggie lover uh, <laughs> <laughs> yep that's weird <laughs> the client was that the one with matt damon no this is susan sarandon when she has to protect that kid Mm, yeah, it's, yeah. Like, it's actually more of a suspense thriller, but she is a lawyer and she's a she's a, a darn good one. This almost made my top five, but I couldn't quite pull enough of the movie itself to really defend it. Fair enough. 2008 would have had would have had many split decisions. 2008. Oh, this is going to bum me out because I don't I can I didn't think of a single would have had many split decisions. Mm hmm. Split decisions feels like a big time clue that I'm missing. Uh, it's I don't pretty know good clue, actually. It's yeah, no, I, I like it's. I know this is going to sound weird, but you'll get this because we do this a lot. Like you know when it's a good clue, even though you don't know it. I know this is a super good clue, and I'm missing it. <laughs> what about uh, verdict based on a coin toss? I still have no idea what this is. This is Harvey Dent from The Dark Knight. Clever girl, Jeremy. You're a clever girl. That's Thank you. so good. I'm very impressed. That is that is a very good pick and a wonderful clue. And I it was so outside of my thought. Oh, that's annoying. That's well done. Uh, this is a movie you definitely haven't seen. Uh, 2014, other famous Simon. Tight end cowboys. You do know I only watch hockey, right? Yeah. Uh, Reggie Miller is like a pretty famous Indiana Pacer. I feel like that's in the outside of the sports world. But anyway. Well, just to make things just so much worse, when you said that, I was like, there was a tight end named Reggie Miller also? <laughs> no. That, that's how. Uh, cowboy tight end. Was Deion Sanders a tight end? No. Well, well, I'll give you that. It's Witten. But the other famous Simon you should be able to get, because this is not, this is music. Paul? Uh, what's the other one? The one that writes all, all the songs. 
whoa, 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 mm. she's a lady. Not didn't write that, but she's a woman. I'm trying to help you. It's not like, I thought that would have been like a Burt Bacharach number. No, it's Carly Simon. So Carly. Carly Whitman. Simon. Yes. <laughs> yes. I like, yes. Uh, you didn't see this. It's the other woman, but this was Cameron Diaz's character. This is like a really stupid rom-com, but it, she's a very powerful and turns out to be very good lawyer in it. And it made me laugh. This is a pick for my wife almost exclusively. Okay. 1991, forgot how to do aerials. Forgot how to do aerials. Um, I have no like idea. A E, not like the font. Right, 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 right. Understood. I assume this has to do something with. So, forgot how to do aerials. I don't know. This would be Peter Panning, who is in fact a lawyer in Hook. In Hook, well done. Good for you. Uh, this is my last one. No, this is my last one. Nineteen ninety-two. Gin types. Oh, this is, we talked about this on an episode. This yeah. is uh, um, Gordon. Yeah. Uh, Gordon London. London. Uh, no. Uh, what's the other? Not Sapphire. No, that's it. What's the first word that goes in front of that word? Sapphire. It's Gordon Bombay. Bombay. Bombay Sapphire, which is the Mighty Ducks. <laughs> right. Good one. That's a really good one, actually. I like that a lot. My last of the Pong is from 1982. You probably don't know this because it's one of those movies that has been, I think, fell out of zeitgeist in every way. Caught Justice While Getting Sober. Caught Justice While Getting Sober. Yeah, I don't know what that is. Sought. I'm sorry. This was a typo. I'm like, he didn't catch anything. Sought Justice. Walking. Autocorrect. This, this whole entry is ducking silly. Oh, that's uh, very clever. Well, I still don't know what it is, though. The movie's The Verdict from 1982 with Paul Newman. Yeah, I've heard. This is one of those. So The Verdict was on this. The other one that was on my list that I didn't. So we'll get into the Fast Five. I only have like sort of two. Runaway Jury was one, which yep. is is a lot less about the movie. But Ranking Fitch, which was Gene Hackman's character, is lawyering pretty hard in that. Right. And then the other one, and now I can't remember the name of it but I actually think he was a horrible lawyer is what's the one from 78, 79 with um, Pacino when he like, turned, no. no, he turns on. See, this is, this is why I didn't put it in my list. I can't remember anything about it, but he like, he turns on his own. Like there's a judge that he punches and then the judge makes him actually defend him. And then he turns on the judge. It's a whole thing. Yeah. It's a huge courtroom scene. It's the whole like, you're out of order. You're out of order. We're all out of order. Like that's the whole Pacino thing. It's not Dog Day Afternoon. It's not. You know what I'm talking about. Serpico. Yes, I know what you're talking about. The whole thing's out of order. Yeah. That one. Whatever I don't that is. I don't recall. Yeah, yeah. That's no, a good pick. Um, is that a Justice for All? Yes. That's it. Yeah. Yeah. That's yeah. It. yeah. I knew you'd okay. get there if I gave you the pieces. I. <laughs> Well, what's funny is usually what would have happened is I would have got there in about three hours and I would have texted you and be <laughs> I like, got the text. <laughs> yeah, record me saying, is it injustice for all? And then find a way to get you to edit that in, which by the way, we have never actually done, but would be an awesome little shtick to do. Like leave a blank. Jeremy's going to come back and answer this later today. Right. <laughs> all right. So we're into the fast five. Do you yeah. have anything? The, those yeah, two. Picks? Those were my that fast five. Okay. Yeah. Oh, right, right. Sorry. Yeah. So I got JFK. Sure. Which at the time I loved, and I've heard actually does hold up. I haven't seen it since I had it on two VHS tapes and watched it a dozen or so times. 
Uh, Witness for the Prosecution, classic movie, but I don't remember it well enough to talk more about it. I had Philadelphia and Legally Blonde here. And then I had this weird toss-up. I, I, I had Devil's Advocate. There's a movie I just wanted to mention that I know you've never heard of called Legal Eagles. I've definitely never heard of it. It's with Robert Redford and I think Deborah Winger. I didn't even look it up to go check. This is a movie I recall seeing. I'm guessing it's like, again, this is all memory, that whole shit we used to do more of, like somewhere in the 83 to 86 time frame. I remember there's a big fire in it in someone's apartment. Okay. It's all I really remember about it. And I know I saw it and I probably didn't understand any of it. And I'm so curious though, if Legal Eagles should that, if anyone here is listening and remembers Legal Eagles that, that knows either of us or can reach us on the Twitter or text or any method and say, was that a good movie? Like, is it worth it? Is it worth even looking up on IMDb? That's what I want to know. Is it worth any effort or is that like some garbage 80s wannabe comedy thriller action kind of thing? Fair enough. All right. Well, there, there's your call to action, which we I've been told is a thing you're supposed to do when you podcast as though we care about stuff like that. Uh, what we do need to do very quickly is what's on the plate for next week. And it's my pick. Yeah. It's all you, buddy. Cool. Hey, good unintentional throw in, buddy. So what I want to do is I want to do top five movies where people are hanging out with their buddies. Ooh. So like Ooh. hang films, like top five hang films, for lack of a better term. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I like it. Is yeah. there a minimum number of buddies? I think more than two. It's just got to be more than two. You can't be a duo. You got to be like three or more. Three or more, I think, constitutes as a buddy hang. Okay. I like this a lot. I yeah, mean, it, I think it's going to go in a lot of di- it can go in a lot of directions, and I have a very funny feeling that our our age difference is going to be on full display here. Absolutely, and, and and we're defining it like they are buddies. It's not just an ensemble of people forced into a room or something. Yeah, no, there's no no twelve angry men or anything like that. Yeah, yeah. Actually, I was thinking Breakfast Club was just kind of shoved itself into my head really quick. Yeah, no, they, not that. They, they, you got to start out as friends and remain friends. You there can be growth and there can be some division and stuff like that, but it's got to be like. You can't become buddies on the way. It can't be like uh, that Robert Downey Jr. movie with Zach Galifianakis where all of a sudden they like each other. forget what it's called. Due Date? That's the one. I did not like that movie. But Breakfast Club 2, The Clubberer, where they're all (laughs) reuniting after 30 years, that one would have worked. I object. There I was completely wasting out of words.